Hello, welcome to the Grace Apostolic Church Podcast. We are so thankful that you joined us. We hope this podcast serves as a tool that encourages you and helps you navigate through this journey called life. If you wouldn't mind, we would greatly appreciate it if you would subscribe and review this podcast channel. Your feedback matters, and we want to serve you to the best of our abilities. Thank you so much. Let's go to the Word. So look with me at John chapter 14. I'll read verse 26 and 27. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. (laughs) And if ever this needs to be a message preached, we need to know how to get our hearts not troubled and let our hearts not be afraid. I'm preaching peace in the midst of your your Eurachlodon. Peace in the midst of your trouble. God bless you. You just look at someone and wave at them, and you may be seated. <laughs> I bless you today. Amen. The Gospels tell us that there are two times that the disciples went on the Sea of Galilee or the Sea of Tiberias, however you might choose to call it, same body of water. Two different times that they went on this particular sea and there was tremendous storm that threatened to take their life. The first storm you'll read is right after Mark chapter 3. In Mark chapter 3, 3, 3, this is the beginning of the Gospels. In fact, in chapter 3, Jesus has just ordained and called his disciples. And now we have these 12 men that are following Jesus all across the land. And just shortly after that time, he has ministered to them. And now he goes into the ship And he tells the disciples to cross the sea. And he goes into the hinder parts of the boat and lays his head upon a pillow. And there he begins to sleep. And now Mark 4 begins to tell us this story. That as Jesus is asleep, he must be exhausted. He must be so drained from ministry that somehow in his sleep... He is not awakened by the boisterous winds. Somehow in his sleep, as the waves begin to get large, he still stays snoozing, if you will. Somehow when even the rocking of the boat and the tossing of that small ship begins to put fear in the heart of seasoned sailors, 
that Jesus still stays asleep. The scripture even says that the boat was becoming full with the waves that were being crashed over its borders into its heart. And now the ship is about to sink. And finally they decide they will wake up Jesus. Too often this is the place where we get in our life where we try everything else and then Jesus. <laughs> we, we have used up all our abilities, all our thinking, all our intellect, every, every resource we have. And now we go to Jesus. But perhaps in this story they are being respectful of his sleep and trying to let him get plenty of rest. And the tempestuous waves and the tornadic type winds are now so threatening until they feel like at any second perhaps they can go to the bottom of Davy Jones' locker and drown. And so finally, they do what they did not want to do. I don't know how soggy his pillow is by now. I don't know how tossed he is out of his bed or where he was reclining, but somehow they still had to wake him up. And when they wake him up, it's like they were mad that he was still asleep. Don't you care that we're drowning here? Don't you care that we're about to die? It's like they hoped the storm would get so bad it would wake him up, but it didn't. It's like they hoped they wouldn't have to say something to him. They would just let the rocking of the ship and the wailing of the waves and the blowing of the wind, but they have to wake him up, and now they're upset that he seemingly has been sleeping while they have expended every bit of effort trying to save their lives in this Eurachlodon of a storm. And so finally he is awakened and they ask him, don't you care that we are dying, that we are drowning? And he speaks a rebuke for their lack of faith. Oh, where's your faith? He steps to the, perhaps the edge of the boat, looks at that wind that's about to overcome their boat, speaks to the waves that are about to drowned the entire ship and simply says peace be still and instantly raging waves become gentle lapping water the sea that was boisterous is placid like a sea of glass now there's no more storm only the gentle breeze through the hair and the quiet quiet of a tranquil sea and Jesus has rebuked them for their lack of faith and spoken peace in their life. It's a miracle the way that Jesus speaks peace. It is a supernatural phenomena the way that he speaks peace. Not just in ships with disciples, but in our lives. There are times when it seems like there is no hope. But Jesus comes on the scene, speaks one word, and everything turns upside down or maybe right side up. It seems like everything is lost. But let him come on the scene and speak one word, and now everything is as it should be.
this seems to be the kind of Jesus that we really want. That we can wake him up in the time of our desperation. And let him speak peace into our lives. And instantly, waves change, winds change. Instantly, peace in our life. But the second storm is quite different. It seems to challenge the faith of the disciples. For now, we'll find, and you'll find this story in three of the Gospels. Mark 6, John 6, Matthew 14. But Jesus has just fed the 5,000 with a little bitty lad's lunch, blessed and breaked it. And now 12 basketfuls are left over having after, after having blessed and broken, split what was just a happy meal up and 5,000 grown men have eaten and 12 basketfuls left over. And now exhausted, Jesus instructs the disciples to go across the sea again, but he does not get in the boat with them. He goes up into the mountain to pray and to get his strength and to get his energy again. And as they began to row, the Bible said, several furlongs across toward the other side, the winds began to pick up again. The waves began to crash again. This storm called Eurachlodon and Acts coins this word when Paul talks about his shipwrecks and the storms that he faced, Eurachlodon. In that part of the country, it simply means a storm that comes from the east. And the east is their most tumultuous storms. And seeing the wind that was blowing directly from east, this is their Eurachlodon of a storm. And they began to be worried. Now before they've been through storms, before they have gone through something very similar, knowing that Jesus was asleep in the hinder parts of the boat. But this time he didn't crawl in the boat and lay his head on a pillow. This time he sent them across the sea without him, by themselves. And they began in their efforts a very similar task. They seems like just what they faced perhaps a few months before when Jesus spoke peace. Here came the winds again. Here came the waves again. And they as seasoned sailors or fishermen used to being on the water are now beginning to fear greatly. They cannot keep enough water out of the boat for keep the boat afloat. It is beginning to sink. The waves are crashing across and above the walls of the boat and the wind is rocking the boat to such a way that even itself rocking would allow the sea to fall and to encase inside of this boat. And when they look around, Jesus isn't there. But he sent them out in the boat. He directed their steps. He is their Lord, and this is where he sent them. So the faith that is demanded in this story is a little different than the faith demanded in the first story. Sometimes you build upon your victories. 
And like David, you can say, God gave me victory over the lion. And God gave me victory over the bear. And since God gave me victory over the lion and the bear, you, you uncircumcised Philistine, God will give me victory over you. You build on your victories. But this one, even though it should be a building block, is different. Because Jesus isn't there. He's not asleep for them to awaken. He's not just one tassel away, one loud voice away from being woken up and speaking a word. They would gladly hear his rebuke again. If only they could hear his peace word again. But he is not there. This is a new dimension of faith and trust and maturation of their relationship. And as they are struggling, as they are finding it difficult to even stay above the water, they look out on this boisterous Eurachlodon of a storm, and it looks like a ghostly figure is walking on the water. Now, us reading this story that happened 2,000 years ago, we laugh at the ghostly figure. But they were in a storm. They, they were at the end of their efforts and their strength. Jesus wasn't there. And when they saw what they thought they saw, it was a fearful thing for them to see because it looked like a ghost because never has any man ever walked on water. But ghosts, we suppose, can. So it must be a ghost. So if it's not bad enough that we're in a storm, now our eyes are telling us that there is evil everywhere and we are about to be, be swallowed up by a boogeyman, by a, by a ghost, by something that we think that we are seeing. And from the resources or recess of the boat, one individual of faith who has a relationship of closeness with Jesus begins to identify and say, that's not a ghost. That's Jesus. And now fear turns to hope. Desperation turns to faith where there was nothing that they could pin their hopes on, now they have every bit of hope and expectation and faith because they know Jesus makes a way where there seems to be a way. No way. They know Jesus speaks to the raging wind and wave and says, peace be still. And if that is Jesus, then we know everything is going to be all right. And so Simon Peter Hollers out, Lord, if that is you, bid me come. And Jesus simply says, come. And Simon Peter gets out. He is one crazy dude. He gets out of the boat. But after all, there's not much safety in the boat anymore. 
and begins to walk on what was his biggest problems and his biggest troubles and what thought was going to destroy him, he was putting under his feet until he lost his vision on Jesus and begins to look around. Immediately calling on the Lord, Jesus takes him by the hand and they're in the boat and the sea has instantly calmed. The wind once again is a breeze and there is hope again that they'll make it to the other side. This storm is different than the first storm. I, I love them kind of trials if we can love trials. I love them kind of sicknesses if, if we love sickness. I love them kind of temptations when instantly we just holler, Jesus! And things that are unimaginable happen. How many in this place have a testimony of driving down the road and something happened in front of you, a tractor trailer or a car or a head-on, and you knew you was going to die because there was no hope. But one quick word, Jesus, and something happened. Angels moved trucks or you were instantly on the side of the... How many of you know what I'm talking about? I love when he's in the car with me and all I have to do is Jesus. But then there's other times that we have wrecks. It is pretty awesome when you are going through sickness and disease and you make your way down to an apostolic altar and there prayer of faith is prayed and anointing oil is put by the leaders upon you and, and Jesus begins to do a work and instantly things that you used to be diseased with are gone. You go back to the doctors and they confirm there's no cancer, there's no sickness, there's no diabetes, you have nothing wrong. I love when that kind of miracle happens. How many of you have received an instant healing or miracle like that? Yeah. Love it! In fact, that's probably what we want all the time. How about the provisions of God when you have a desperate need and you walk to that mailbox and there's a check for the exact amount that you had no idea that was coming and God bailed you out or he took care of you or you had no idea it was going to happen and bam, it was there and instantly things were taken care of. We love them kind of miracles where he speaks into our life and instantly he's right there in the situation with us. We can call his name. We can speak and wake him up if you will and there's the miracle that happens sometimes he leads us into journeys on our own and he doesn't crawl into the back of the car if you will with us and he's not just one shout away although we always talk about just the whisper of his name how close he is. There are times when he will send you out into a storm. And he will go away to the mountaintops and not actually be right with you. In our text, it simply says this. 
Jesus is speaking to the disciples about the coming again of the Holy Ghost. That when he goes away, he'll come again with the Holy Ghost and power. Speaking of the Comforter in John 14. But this is the statement he makes. My peace I give to you. But not as the world gives, give I to you. What's that mean? Webster's Dictionary defines peace as simply the absence of war. That if there is no war going on in your nation, then your nation is at peace. That if there is no friction in your relationship, then you have peace in your relationship. That if your financial situation is going good, that if your health is moving forward, then you have peace in your finance, peace in your relationship, peace in your health. That's how the world defines peace. But sometimes Jesus can give you peace in the midst of your storm. In the middle of your Eurachlodon, when he doesn't necessarily come and stop the wind and stop the waves and stop the raging Eurachlodon, still the kind of peace he gives is still a peace in the midst of your Eurachlodon. Four times John in his gospel and one time In his epistle, in fact, the Greek word used here is only used these five times in the New Testament. Four of them, it's translated comforter. One time, it's translated advocate. That this is what the scripture says about the Holy Ghost in reference to that kind of peace. That he will give you peace and the comforter that he may abide with you forever. Here's the peace that we have through the power of the Holy Ghost. That He will never leave you. That He will never forsake you. That He will abide with you forever. So even if He has sent you on a journey where He doesn't instantly bring peace to your situation or healing to your life or instantly change your your determination of life still he will be with you every step of the way and even if he's not clearing the way he's walking with you never leaving you your Jesus your comforter the almighty is always with you Chapter 14 says it's the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. Verse 26, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things. This is the power of a comforter that will teach us all things. So when we go through trials, it becomes teaching to us. It becomes wisdom and understanding of life and light to us. He'll bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever He has said. He'll remind you of every promise. He'll remind you of every prophecy. He will be there as a word to teach and to remind you. Chapter 15, verse 26, says that the Holy Ghost, which is the comforter, 
will be even the spirit of truth. And it will testify of Jesus. That this spirit of truth in you will be a peace. Even though he's not calmed the sea. As you walk through your rock, your rock, Latana, There is still a spirit of truth. And you won't be confused by what is truth and what is doubt. What this word is saying and that word is saying. For the spirit of truth will give you guidance and, and direction. Chapter 16, verse 7, John says this about the Comforter, that he will come unto you, and he will be expedient. He goes away, he shall come again and be with you, reside with you, and be for you. I recognized several weeks ago, Holy Ghost began to make it very clear, long before the world that we're living in today was like it is. I began to realize that this generation, our millennials, our generation Zs, and this generation that is alive today, even those that are older like myself, this generation is battling a fear, an anxiety, panic attacks like no generation before has faced. And it's something that is very real in our generation. It's the prince of fear has come to reside in our world and our nation. This is why when you look at the statistics of where we at with coronavirus concerning the common flu, we should be more fearful statistically of the flu than the coronavirus. However, we are consumed with a fear of a virus that somehow we don't have a medical vaccination for yet. And I'm not coming to preach against any precautions that are being made. I believe that we need to have precautions. We, like the disciples, need to be rowing the boat. We need to be dipping the water out. We, we need to be doing everything that we can. But there are some times when God will keep disease and sickness from us. And we're not even aware of how we've been saved or how we've been healed from a sickness or disease. And there's other times when he sends us into the middle of it. And he doesn't protect us seemingly from the virus coming into our world, to our nation, and perhaps our homes. But it's not time to have fear. It's time to be comforted. Because sometimes he speaks peace and eradicates it. You never even feel it. You never receive it. You might not even know it was around you. But other times, other times, he lets you walk into the storm. And he won't speak peace. He will just be there with you. The anxiety that's upon this nation has become all-consuming. I've heard even recently the governor of Kentucky is strongly urging individuals, please don't go to church, he's saying. Too many people will be gathered together there. That's, that's lack of understanding in my opinion. 
Because if there's anywhere we should be going when we need healing for physical bodies. Now, I'm not saying you get coronavirus, come to church and fellowship with everybody. You got to still get the water out of your boat, right? You got to still take precaution. You got to still do what is right. But if there's healthy people that know you and call you brother and sister, there needs to be people that are coming together and lifting up your name and speaking the name of Jesus and declaring that there is healing for the body of Christ. And we need to gather together. I think it has become more, and I'm, you know, this news is changing so fast. I think it has become more than a suggestion, but now it is a strong indictment of Washington State that no groups of 250 should gather in any building or any place together. And we see how what has even been the gods of America, our entertainments, and where all our money is being, now it's being shut down and all these companies and not having MLB and NCAA and NBA and all all the things that bring so much money into our economy. And so now there's not just a fear of sickness, but now there's a fear of our finances. Sometimes when you go through things, God instantly speaks a word and saves you out of it. And other times, He allows us to walk into a place where we're not so sure in our finances of what the economy might be in the next few weeks. I'm not speaking doom here. and I'm not prophesying doom. I'm speaking a principle of peace that we need to understand and hear because our world is consumed with anxiety and worry and stress and men's hearts are failing them for fear and they don't know where to go and what to do and I'm seeing it even creep in the church. I've talked to a few pastors in the past few days And this is what they're telling me, that when they speak faith, and not stupidity, I'm talking about caution of doing what you should do, the natural hygiene that you should have, but when they speak faith, there are some people that are getting mad at them. I'm talking about in apostolic Pentecostal realms. And the pressure is that there shouldn't be any gathering of church and maybe we should all do video and stuff. And I'm, I'm not against any plans that any individuals make in the future and where we're going and how bad this pandemic might turn into something. I'm, I'm not preaching against any of that. But you need to understand the principle. There is a spiritual battle that is raging among us in this generation. And it doesn't matter what comes up, this is how we'll respond if we don't know peace. And we'll get through one crisis of virus, and then some other crisis will come, and we'll respond the same way, whether of health or whether of economy or whether of who knows. It's not about what we're facing. The wind and the storm and the waves are going to be there. It's just life. And life and circumstance happen to us all. 
But we are not like everyone else that doesn't have hope and doesn't have peace. Yes, sometimes our peace comes with just a word and he speaks peace, be still, and instantly our lives change. And other times, even when we go through the storm, we have peace in the middle of the storm because he's our comforter. He's the Holy Ghost in us. He lives with us, will never leave us, never forsake us. In reality, this might be our greatest opportunity for true witness of the Holy Ghost in feeling in our lives. Because where our world is going crazy with anxiety and fear and worry and stressing out, if there's a people that do know their God, And can receive the peace of the comforter in their life. And walk in the Holy Ghost in the midst of everything that we're dealing with. Walk in peace in the Holy Ghost in the comforter. That's going to be so attractive to our worried, confused, stressed out world. So if ever our light should shine, let it shine. I'm not talking about being foolish. I'm talking about your peace. So your conversation should give a witness of the peace of God you have. Yeah, I know viruses everywhere and things might happen. But the Holy Ghost has given me a peace in the middle of this. Well, what if you get it? That's okay. Because if he has chosen for me to go through this virus, he will be with me. He won't leave me if the virus comes. He won't forsake me. I'm a comforter. He's with me so I have peace. He'll walk with me even if I have to deal with it. Peace. He gives not like the world gives. He gives peace even when there's wars. Even when there's storms. In this place in the next couple of days, God is wanting to put an overcoming power and authority in us. This is where we start. Because if if we are so consumed by the fear and the stress and the concern, the worry and the fear and the anxiety that everybody out there is dealing with, and we're so consumed with what might happen if a word is spoken to us in our ear, I I don't even know how to operate politically correctly and still be operating in the Holy Ghost. I, I don't know how we're going to be able to move forward in God and have to stay three foot away from each other. I, I don't know how we're going to be able to move forward. But somehow I have this confidence that if I pick up any deadly thing, it won't harm me. Even if I have to walk through, it won't harm And if I drink of any poison, it won't harm me. Even if I have to drink it. Even if it's not stayed. Even if God doesn't turn poison into water. Even if I have to go through something, I have this confidence. He's with me. He will not leave me. Therefore, I will not. I I will. I will not 
fear. I will not fear what God tries to do in these services. I will not fear what God is trying to give us. I will not fear even what we might have to accidentally touch somebody. I won't fear because God is with me and his peace is a peace that the world can't give. And he'll never leave me and never forsake me. Ah. Okay, let me, let me be led of the Holy Ghost and minister as I need to minister. I want us to be honest in the place, and this is why the Holy Ghost has sent me here. If you have dealt with anxieties and fears in the past few days, I want you to stand to your feet. Some of you had to think about it a little bit, but that's okay. You have fears concerning your health, fears concerning what the economy is going to be doing, fears concerning relationship. If you've been dealing with fears, it's okay. It's just a battle. It's a battle. So if you have battled that, we're standing. Okay. I'm glad some of the young people are represented here. Because this is absolutely a battle that is powerfully upon our young people. And sometimes they are anxious and don't even know why they're anxious. Fearful, not even sure why they're fearful. It's just a spirit of fear. I want everybody in the place to stretch your hands toward those that are standing. And I want you as you're praying to speak faith and rebuke fear. We have been in the battle. And these thoughts have come against our mind. They have come against our emotions. They have come against our spirit. But we are the children of God. We are filled with the Holy Ghost. We have spoken in tongues when the Holy Ghost came. Greater is he that is in us than the fear that is in the world. So we rebuke the spirit of fear in the name of Jesus. It will not change the way we act and the way that we live and the places that we go. It will not default from us our peace, our joy. We rebuke fear in Jesus' name and we lose faith by the power of the Holy Ghost. Just pray in tongues a little bit. Let the Holy Ghost build up your faith. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Build up your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Jesus. 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 All across the place, would you stand up? Here's the practical word. Here's the practical word. If you want to have good information, listen to people who are experts in their field. And all that other stuff is just words, words, words. If you need to hear the word of God about peace, then understand this about strongholds. 
Scripture says about strongholds that our weapons are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. The next verse tells us what strongholds are, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So all of this words and voices and stuff that you're hearing, you got to put it in proper perspective to the Word of God. Otherwise, it's going to build fear and stress and anxiety and worry, and you're going to battle it constantly. Secondly, you need to be full of the Holy Ghost because this is the comforter. This is one of the reasons why he's given us his spirit. It's why he went away so that he could come back and be the Holy Ghost in our heart so that when we deal with things like this in our nation, in our life, our family, we could let the Holy Ghost be full in us and be overcomers like we're supposed to be. Our testimony can be very effective at this time. Or we can just go along with the political correctness and miss the opportunity for a tremendous harvest revival. I feel this prophetically as I'm speaking this. There is a tremendous opportunity for revival. I'm speaking specifically to this church. A tremendous opportunity for revival with your simple life that's epistle read of all men and your simple testimony and how you speak to individuals that you're going to meet in our world. Tremendous opportunity for revival to witness peace to someone. So we need to shake ourselves out of what's happening on the outside and realize that God has given us a spiritual opportunity. Spiritual opportunity for what we've been praying for for what we've been fasting for. I prophesy there is a 30-soul revival in just the next few weeks. If you can believe and receive it, God wants to pour it upon you. Uh, <laughs> in Jesus' name. Sister, you're here on the second row. I feel like God has given you a dream already concerning revival. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you have a specific dream that God has given you? Okay, that's fine. I want to hear no if that's not. Because I believe that God's going to give it to you in the next few days then. So when you lay down at night, you speak and say, okay, God, you're trying to share that dream in my heart and my spirit. And God's going to confirm that with a dream in your life. Mm, Receive it in Jesus' name. Receive it in Jesus' name. Before we get too far in the spirit here, if there's anybody in this place that does not have the gift of the Holy Ghost in their life, and you have not received it evidenced by speaking other tongues, and you want this peace and this joy that we're speaking about, and you want to have peace even in the midst of the storm, I want to give you opportunity to come stand down here in the front, either on this side or this side. Real quickly, come. If you need the power of the Holy Ghost in your life, If you need to make a step of faith, maybe somebody will follow you, but you go first. Good, good. Now, I won't put anybody on the spot. Just want you to exercise your faith if you want that power of the Holy Ghost. Why don't we turn to someone beside us and just speak to the person beside us and ask them, would you like me to pray with you for this power of the Holy Ghost in your life? Good stuff, Bubba. 
Won't you? There you go. They're asking somebody beside. Would you like me to help you pray for the power of the Holy Ghost in your life? This is the way we'll do this. Anybody that prays with you in this altar, we'll ask what you want us to do. If you rather us didn't touch you at all, if you want us to stay back a little bit as we're praying for you, we ask you what you want, and we'll respect that. Okay. And we will pray with you, give you instruction, help you to receive the Holy Ghost like so many in this place have. Beautiful. We've got at least three. I think there's some more that need to come, but I want our prayer warriors to come already and begin to ask these individuals. You want me not to touch you? Begin to ask them. Don't just assume that they're in the altar, they're free game, but ask them. If you don't want me to touch you, we won't. If you only want me to touch you on the shoulder, that'd be fine. Just find a clear, there you go. I think there's some more that are coming as the church has come. <laughs> by the power of your name. By the power of your name. Peace of God. Peace of God. Whoo! Fall even now, peace of God. Comforter, comforter, comforter. <laughs> Come on, intercessors, if you know how to intercede, intercede in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Thank you again for joining us here at Grace Apostolic Church. Hopefully this message spoke to you as it did for many others. Grace Apostolic Church is a church family that you can be a part of. If you would like to connect to the church, the best way would be to visit our website at gacclawson.org or visit one of our services. Our service times are Sundays at 11 a.m. and Wednesday nights at 7.30 p.m. For more information, you can go online at gacclawson.org. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.